Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 24, how Eleazar, Abraham's servant, knew that Abraham's son Isaac needed a submissive, non-rebellious, yet assertive wife that would make Isaac blossom as a new husband. Now, Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher here on Friendship with God, is so thankful for all of the emails and the calls that we get on how you enjoy Friendship with God. Now, Tom Cantor is not just a pastor, Bible teacher. He's also an author, patent holder, inventor, advocate for patience, the 2009 Whistleblower of the Year. And you may or may not know that Tom Cantor is also a scientist and biochemist and CEO of Scanabody's Laboratory, Inc. He's also the owner and operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California, which is a suburb of San Diego, California. And because of Tom Cantor's science and creation background, we're going to offer you three wonderful books for a donation of $20 or more for your support of the Friendship with God radio program. And this is While Supplies Last. The first book we're offering is How Your Origins Matter. This book will help answer the important questions of what is my purpose? Why am I here? What is the meaning of life? And why is a creator important? The second book we're offering is The Ice Age and the Flood. It's a great book that will show you how the Bible and science both explain the Ice Age and the Flood. And the third book is On the Search for Noah's Ark by Dr. John Morris. This book will look at the archaeological, scientific, biblical, and theological impact of the search for Noah's Ark from Dr. Morris's adventures on Mount Ararat. We're offering these three wonderful books for a donation of $20 or more, and this offer is only available while supplies last by calling us at 800 247 3051 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Get these three books for a donation of $20 or more, 800-247-3051. Now here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on the Friendship with God radio program. That's the mind of Christ in Philippians 2, 4 through 8, where it says, Look not every man on his own things, Rebecca, but every man also on the things of others, Eliezer. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And this is where he didn't look on his own things, but looked on the things of others, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation because he was looking on our things and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So Rebecca out there by this well is not looking on her own things, but she's looking on things of Eliezer, and she's saying to himself, this poor man, he wants a sip of water. He must really be thirsty. Oh, he must really be thirsty. I'm going to kick into gear. I'll forget about my own troubles. I'm going to give him water. That made Rebecca's day, as far as she was concerned. She was so happy to say, drink, drink, my Lord. That's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. From heaven, he looks down on our great need. We needed a sinless sacrifice. He forgets about how much it would hurt him. He forgets how much it was going to cost him. He decides to make himself of no reputation, take on him the form of a certain, be made in the likeness of man, humble himself, become obedient to death, even the death of a cross. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he did that so that he could have the joy of stretching out his arm like Rebecca did and say, drink, drink. John 7, 37, in that day, great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. John 4, 10, Jesus answered and said to the woman at the well, said to her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give him to drink, give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked him, he would have given thee living water. He did that so that he could have the joy, this joy of saying, Drink, 
as it says in Isaiah 12, verse 3, Therefore with joy shall he draw water out of the wells of salvation. So like Rebecca, like the Lord Jesus Christ, they love to give water to the thirsty. The Lord says in Isaiah 44, verse 3, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. So it's his joy. It was her joy to take away the thirst. It was his joy to take away the thirst for eternal life. As it says in the last book, Revelation 21, verse 6. He says, it's done. I'm the Alpha. I'm the Omega. The beginning and the end. Then what? I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He says in Revelation 22, verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say, come. Let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. And so does he refuse anybody? John 6, 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that comes to me I'll no wise cast out. That's the attitude that was in Rebekah. So we read in verse 18, she lets down the pitcher on her hand, she gives him to drink, and Rebecca, like I said, she didn't just say, here's the pot, drink for yourself. She pours it out for him, of her hand, pours it to him, and next we read in verse 19, when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they've done drinking, and he can't believe it. He said, I didn't say anything about camels. I just told God about the camels. But now she's with the camels. And so what we find here is that she's very patient, Maybe Eliezer was drinking purposefully very slowly. I can imagine that he would do that to irritate her, see if he could bring out some attitude. But we don't know. We can be sure that while Eliezer is drinking, he's thinking to himself, I wonder, I just wonder if I'm going to hear something about camels next. I wonder if the camel factor is going to come into this. I wonder if she's going to offer water to the camels. And the record says that she attended to giving him drink And it was only, as it says, when she had done giving drink, that on her own, on her own initiative, without Eliezer saying anything about camels, she comes up with this, I know, I know, I'll draw water for thy camels also until they've done drinking. I got an idea, Rebecca says, camels. Now, we don't really read what Eliezer said. Maybe he said, okay, maybe he said, that'd be a good idea, or that'd be great. But what we do read, is in verse 20, is that she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again unto the well to draw water and drew a frog's camel. So when it says she hasted, it gives us the picture. She's a whirlwind, this Rebecca. She's spring into action. Boy, who pulled her spring? But she springs into action. She pours the rest of her pitcher into the water trough for the camels. And then it says she ran. She didn't walk. She ran back to the well to get more water to draw for all the camels. The camels must have been impressed. You know, they said, nobody's ever run for us. And they're thinking that maybe the camels are thinking, it's be a great bride for Isaac, Eliezer. <laughs> Meanwhile, while Rebecca is flying into action, we have to ask the question, what are what Eliezer's thinking now? And we're told what he's thinking in verse 21. And the man wondering at her held his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. See, Eliezer's response is described as wondering. That's a Hebrew word, sha'ah. It's never used in the Bible except for this place. It's the only place where it's used. And it has the meaning of being whirled around or becoming stunned or dizzy. You know, that's what's going on in Eliezer. He's just watching Rebecca swing into action, all this running, all this water, all this emptying, all this, and he's dizzy. 
What? That's what wondering means. He's dizzy watching it. Eliezer, but he wants to be very sure again. He wants to be very sure, Eliezer, that he's not stepping in front of God and saying, this has got to be the one, because he's got to find the one that God has appointed for Isaac. He's pretty sure he's found the one that he's appointed for Isaac, but not completely sure, and so he's holding his peace. That's why it says he's wondering he holds his peace. So he's being calm about this. In his own mind, he's thinking, I've got to be sure. I've got a checklist here. I'm checking off the points on my checklist one by one, but they're not all checked off yet, so I'm not going to jump. Eliezer has some items he still has to check off. After all, he doesn't know if she's from Abraham's family. He hasn't checked that off yet. He doesn't know she's single. You know, that's important. You've got to check that off. He doesn't know if, if he'd be invited to stay at her house. He doesn't know if she'll be willing to go. She doesn't know if the family's willing to let her go. So he can't just jump off into conclusions yet until he gets all the items checked off. So he waits, and it says in verse 22, came to pass that the camels had done drinking that the man took a golden earring of half shekel weight and two bracelets of her hands of ten shekels of weight. So Eliezer waits until all the camels are done drinking, and he takes out these gifts. Beautiful. It's beautiful gifts. It says earring. It really is a nose ring. Nose ring doesn't sound very beautiful, but anyway, to us, you know, I guess you pierced your nose in those days. I don't know. You went to the, the Nordstrom's of Syria, and you got a nose piercer. It's a big thing. It covered the mouth. Anyway, the bracelets sound better. So here we see Eliezer. He's got his checklist here. Now he poses two questions to Rebecca. And for verse 23, he says, Whose daughter art thou? And here Eliezer is just saying, Is she from Abraham's family or not? And second, he says in verse 23, Is there room enough in your father's house for us to lodge in? See, your father's house. He doesn't know that her father is dead because Nahor is dead. But he calls the father's house. So she tells him her family in verse 24. And she said unto him, I am the daughter of Methuel, son of Milcah, the daughter she bare to Nahor. And as soon as Eliezer hears Nahor, he realized Nahor is Abraham's brother. So check. He says, I've just checked this item. She says she passes. She's Abraham's niece. This one's Abraham's niece. She's Isaac's cousin. Don't think that marrying cousin was forbidden in the Bible. It wasn't. And then for the second question, she quickly responds back in verse 25. She said, moreover unto him, we have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. She says, we've got enough food for your camels to eat. They can bed down. You can bed down. There's room in the house for you to stay. She's practically invited him. She has a lot of initiative. So she invites him as 10 camels. Come on over. Now, this is too much. Eliezer. He can't take it. He can't take it. It's too much. He's overwhelmed. He's just overwhelmed with all this. He's got one response. George 26, the man bows down his head. He worships. We'll return with our Bible study with Tom Cantor here in just a moment on the Friendship with God radio program. We want to remind you that Tom Cantor has a bookstore with all of his materials that's available online at our website, friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org. Get all of Tom Cantor's materials, and there are many creation resources there, as Tom Cantor is the owner-operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. And also, he's got his daily devotional verse you can sign up for right at friendshipwithgod.org. Sign up for that. Get a daily devotional verse from Tom Cantor, just one verse from the Bible, and a small commentary, one or two-sentence commentary on that verse. You can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org. Or you can call us to support this Bible teaching radio program as well with a one-time or monthly contribution. Call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here again is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. There's two times when we get overwhelmed 
in life. In one case, we get overwhelmed, as his, with happiness and joy. And that's what happened to Eliezer. There's another time, and that's a time, best thing to do, worship. And then there's another time when you get overwhelmed in life with sadness and shock and sorrow. Like when the doctor says, you have cancer. Or someone dies, and a flood of emotions and thoughts overwhelm us. You don't know what to do. That's the time to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. It does the soul so much good. That's why David said in Psalm 61 too, from the end of the earth, I'll cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. See, David's overwhelmed. Why does he say, lead me to the rock? He can't even go there himself. So someone take me by hand and help me to worship. Lead me there. You know, there's so much clearing. There's such a calming that comes in the face of this overwhelming great joy, great sadness. It's exactly the situation that happened here with Eliezer. He's traveled over 100 miles with this caravan. The thought was he's on a mission impossible. He's fighting off all kinds of fears. He's barely finished his prayer of laying it out. And all of a sudden, here she is. Suddenly, she appears. She's a dynamo in front of him. Causes his head to be drowned with emotions. So many thoughts running through his mind. He needs stability. I remember how Stephen Olford, a dynamic Bible expositor and a pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in New York City, told the story of how he had a, a lump under his left arm. And his wife and son, who worked with him, his son worked with him in the ministry, David Olford, traveled to Memphis Cancer Center and were sitting in the office of Dr. Kirby Smith, who is a very famous oncologist who actually founded Memphis Cancer Center. And Dr. Kirby Smith explains to him, he says, Dr. Olford, you have a very aggressive form of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer, and treatment must begin today. And no one said a word. All they hear is cancer. Nobody says a word. You could hear a pin drop. Everybody was stunned. Nobody said a word. And finally, his dear wife says, Doctor, we haven't eaten since early this morning. Do you think we could slip out for a quick lunch? And so the doctor says, yes, but hurry back. They're in shock. Nobody says a word. And they decided to go get some food and go back to their hotel room and eat it. So no one says a word, still in shock. They get their food. They sit down at the table in the hotel room. They're ready to eat. But before they eat, they bow their head to pray. And Dr. Olford breaks the silence with these words. Lord Jesus, we worship you. That's Eliezer. What do you say as a wife of 60 years with the question on your mind, what will I do without my husband? What do you say as a son with the question that you work with your dad? You say, what will life be like without my dad? What do you say with the question on your mind of what about my ministry? What about the plans I've been making for the Institute for Biblical Expository Preaching? What do you say when you're afraid, when you're overwhelmed with questions about the future? Stephen Olford said the best thing to answer every question when he said, Lord Jesus, we worship you. Those words just affirmed what Eliezer believed. Verse 12, show kindness. What did he believe? He believed that God is kind, God is loving, God is good. Second thing, verse 14, let it come to pass. Eliezer believed God was powerful enough to cause events to occur. Stephen Olford prays, Lord Jesus, we worship you. He hands the whole situation into the hands of a loving, caring God who's powerful enough to do whatever he desires, anything he wants. That's exactly what Eliezer does in verse 26. He bows down his head and he worships the Lord. And then in verse 27, he says, he says what he's worshiping God for again, the two basic beliefs. He says, mercy, verse 27, that's chesed. 
he believes that God's loving and kind. In verse 27, I being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master. He worships God because he believes God is powerful enough and able to make events occur. When Eliezer says, I being in the way, he's just blown away by what Rebecca told him that she was Abraham's niece. Well, what were the odds that of all the women coming out there at the evening time to collect the water that he should pick out Abraham's niece? Let's just say that we're one of the men in Eliezer's caravan, and we're looking at all this, and we see, oh man, you know, there's Eliezer, he's praying before he ends his prayer. Rebecca appears, then we see he's asking for a sip of water from her pitcher, then she's a dynamo springing into action, she's pouring these effusive amounts of water from her hand so that Eliezer can drink, she's running back and forth, you're seeing all this, the watering trough, and then he finds out she's related to Abraham, he gives the valuable pieces of jewelry, and at this point, we feel like jumping in and saying, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, you don't give the jewelry yet, you know, you're Jumping the gun, Eliezer. But everything happens so quickly, there's just no time to intervene. And then we see in verse 23, Eliezer with his, oh no, I forgot to ask, whose daughter are you? <laughs> and then we see that he finds out Abraham's family, he's bowing his head, he's worshiping, and we say, what happened so quickly? This just all went so pretty fast. This went down quick. Verse 26, 27 shows us that in the fury of it all, he takes time to give thanks to God for answered prayer. That's for us. That's for us. Take time to give God thanks for answered prayer. Now next we see in verse 28, this dynamo Rebecca, she's now running to her house. She comes into her mother's house. And remember, Nahor has died here, and so it's not called her father's house. It's called her mother's house. That's why it's called her mother's house, because Nahor, his mother, probably her mother's still alive. But anyway, we do see that the head of the house seems to be this Laban fellow, Rebecca's brother. It's explained to us in verse 29 that she had a brother. His name was Laban. He runs out to meet the man. So now we see Laban. He is running. Everybody is running. He must run in the family. No pun intended. And so in verse 30, we're directed to see that Laban has taken a particular special interest in something. It came to pass when he saw the earring and the bracelets upon his end. He's got a particular interest now. Now he's got a real eye. There's gold earring. There's gold bracelets. It's got a lot of camel with big loads. He goes, hmm. And so we can see from verse 29 to 30 that Eliezer has remained with his camels at the well. And then Laban goes running out there. And it's clear that he's worried that this man might get away. You know, <laughs> the mother load has just arrived at the well, and we're not going to let the mother load walk away. And so he runs out to meet him, and he doesn't hide the fact that he's interested in getting so much well. They recognize this because he says in verse 31, Oh, come in, thou blessed of the Lord. <laughs> you, know, you know, the one who's rich, that God has made rich. You come in while you're standing without. I've prepared everything for you. The house is ready. The barn is ready. Just come. And we can see all the time he's just he's practically salivating looking at this, these bracelets. And he's like the spider talking to the fly, you know. <laughs> Come in, thou blessed of the Lord. And he's just said to Eliezer, he says, whoa, wow. You know, he says, I am your instant friend, Laban. This is really a problem for Eliezer because he can't be sure that Laban is really his friend and not just interested in the money. As a matter of fact, Eliezer can be sure that Laban is not his friend, but is really just interested in the money. And so this is a time for him to have his guard up. And Eliezer is about to find out this problem that rich people have that Solomon describes as not being able to tell who your friends are, because he says in Proverbs 14.20, the poor is hated even of his own neighbor, but the rich, he's got lots of friends. He hath many friends. That word in Hebrew, which is translated friends, the one I just read to you in Proverbs 14.20, the rich hath many friends, that's not the word friends, that's the word lovers, ahavim. It's the word lovers. It says oh, the rich has many lovers, not just friends. They're in love with him. 
Proverbs 19.4, wealth maketh many friends, but the poor is separated from his neighbor. Proverbs 19.6, many will entreat the favor of the prince. Every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. What has Eliezer just done? He's just given gifts. He's got an instant friend. So this is describing him. Now we see Laban. He further tells to Eliezer, come in. He said, I prepared everything for you. How could he have time to prepare? I don't get it. I mean, it's just like, you know, Rebecca shows up with the jewels, and he goes running right out there, and he says, I prepared everything for you. I prepared the house. Your room's ready. You know, I've been working on it. And the barn's all ready. So he accepts the invitation, Eliezer, in verse 32. The man came into the house, ungirded his camels. That's a very important phrase. He ungirded his camels. That's a phrase that Laban is very interested in. He ungirded his camel. Because that showed that there was a load on those camels. And those camels being ungirded, Laban is saying to himself, if I have my way, those camels will never feel that load again. That load's staying here. And I've just won the lottery. And so we read in verse 32 how Laban then gives him straw and food to the camels, water to wash the feet. And then we read that he gives water to the men. We've been talking about these men that's never been referred to. This is the first reference we have to the men. But of course they were there with the caravan. And then we see in verse 33, there was set meat before him to eat. And he says, I won't eat. I will not eat until I've told my errand. Now, from the time that Laban has met Eliezer, everything has been happening. One, two, three. Just boom, boom, boom. This is just an elaborate invitation. Unload the camels. Straw and food for the camels. Water to wash the feet. Feet for the men. Now there's a big table spread. Out comes the feast. Here comes the meat. And you can be sure the wine is ready to flow. Laban probably salted that meat. <laughs> extra salty so that he can get them drunk. So Laban is very effective at getting people drunk and having them do what they didn't want to do when they're drunk. That's what he's going to do with Jacob later on. He's going to get him drunk and he's going to get him to marry the wrong girl, the Leah, so he can sap out another seven years of free work from Jacob. So we can be sure that this is what's on Laban's agenda. But Eliezer is too faithful. He's too faithful to let his guard down. And in verse 33, Eliezer is saying, stop, stop, stop the music, stop the party, stop the meat, stop with the wine. I will not eat until I've told my errand. See, now there's tension in the room. And Laban is thinking to himself, errand? What errand? Your errand, your only errand is to give me all your jewels. My only errand is to take all your jewels. That's all. Let's eat. But Eliezer says, no, he's faithful. He says, I have a chance to enjoy myself. Yes, I have a chance to eat. Yes, I'm hungry. I have a chance here to really live it up, yes, but I'm too faithful to let that happen. He says, he's saying, I will not eat sterling character of Eliezer. Color him sterling. Because he's putting aside his personal interests. He's hungry. He wants to eat. He's denying himself. And he's got the words, take a wife unto my son. He didn't say, go there, eat and get drunk. He says, take a wife for my son. And the last thing that Eliezer wants to do is return without a wife and tell Abraham, well, you don't understand. It was like, you know, all the food and I got drunk and somehow in this drunkenness I gave all the jewels and I didn't get the wife. And now he says I've got to come back with more jewels for the wife. See, Eliezer keeps Abraham's in his mind, his will, and he says, the Lord Jesus Christ, he fasts 40 days. The devil comes to him in Matthew 4 through 2. When he had fasted 40 days, 40 nights, he was afterward a hundred. And when the tempter came to him and said, if thou be the son of God, command these stones be made bread. He says, I will not eat. He says the same thing Eliezer says. No, man shall not live by bread alone. This Eliezer, this was a time when the Lord Jesus Christ said, I will not eat. Garden of Gethsemane, Garden of Gethsemane, same thing. He says, nevertheless, not as I will, but as I will. Eliezer says, I will not eat. That makes us think of ourselves. When we're tempted in life to see an opportunity to live, oh, I'm only going to live once. Let's live it up. Let's enjoy. Let's put pleasing ourselves before pleasing God. When we're tempted to do that, that's when the words of Eliezer have got to burn in our minds. I will not eat. I will not eat. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you so much for Eliezer and his faithfulness. Help us to be like him in Jesus' name. Amen. Another great Bible study from Tom Cantor. Just a reminder, if you would like to download this message for free, you can do so on our website, friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org, also available on iTunes.com and SermonAudio.com. So friendshipwithgod.org, iTunes.com or SermonAudio.com to download today's message or past messages. Now you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up with your email for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse, just one small verse from the Bible, and a small exhortation or encouraging note from Tom Cantor on that verse from the Bible, you can sign up with your email at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse available through Facebook. You can befriend Tom Cantor by searching for Tom Cantor on Facebook, as well as Israel Restoration Ministries and Friendship with God. Now, Israel Restoration Ministries has two full-time positions open right now in the Southern California area, one in San Diego, as well as one in the Los Angeles County area. So if you'd like to be called to reach the Jewish people full-time as a Jewish evangelism missionary, contact Israel Restoration Ministries, and also contact us if you'd like to be one of our volunteer missionaries, reaching lost Jewish people all over the United States, Canada, Israel, and South America, and all over the world. If you'd like to be one of our volunteer missionaries working for Israel Restoration Ministries or a full-time missionary working in the Southern California area, contact us directly at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. If you'd like to support Jewish evangelism or to get a free gift for a lost Jewish person you know, you can also contact us at the same number, 800 247 3051. That's 800-247-3051. Or for more information about Israel Restoration Ministries, go to israelrestoration.org or friendshipwithgod.org.